God, give me a ring what Q is made out of the letter Q. And it's like a superpower <laughs> ring. <laughs> it's so funny. Our spiritual dad was just talking about, you know, being superheroes. And yet God give me a, a superpowering ring. <laughs> Hallelujah. Who am I to tell somebody that you're not living right? Who am I to tell somebody, I don't want to be around you because you live in a sinful life? Who am I to even think that thought about anybody? God searches everybody's heart. God knows what's in everybody's heart. And many people do things without even having any negative intentions, just like we have. And I'm speaking to the body. And to be honest, many members in the body made the confession, but still got allowed that demonstration to go alongside with that confession to be as Jesus is for real. And not just wanting to have that lifestyle, but having it to become your lifestyle, being that. That's who we are. Jesus never distanced himself to sit amongst those who only wanted to hear what he had to say. He went to those who needed a physician. What's the purpose of me only doing work and consider the mission to be around those who are already on a mission? That's fellowship. That's very good. We need that. So much happens when we take place. But let's be aware of what actually takes place when we're together. The reason why the world, people of the world don't take us serious because we don't take ourselves seriously. Because we just got to just let God be him. Sometimes we go back and forth with God regarding things, regarding our ways. God never said leave anybody behind. God would take people out of our lives. He'd never tell us to, to walk away from people. He would have us to walk away. And as he had us to walk away, he would place things in our path. Because every time he takes something away, he replaces it with what actually supposed to be there in the first place. God would never have us walking around with voids with emptiness, taking us out of a wrong way of living and not release to us the way to actually live. He would not take negative words out of our mouth and yet not have us to say the words that we ought to say that comes out of our mouth. He would not have us to think thoughts that we ought not to think and yet not have the mind of Christ to renew our mind as to how we ought to think. I could go all day with this. I could go all year with this. I could go a lifetime with this. We're in it just like that. The purpose is not for us to separate ourselves 
from the world that's religious. That's a religious lifestyle. Because you're starting to think that you're better. But it's not you. It's God who calls our lives to become better. Because I pray, because I preach, because I'm powerful, I thank God that I receive what he released unto me. Many people just don't know how to receive. Because the world way of receiving, you got to give something back. Or you got to do something to get something. And the things that you usually got to do, you really don't want to do. But sometimes we feel like we have to do. And God just want to fill our lives up with his way of doing things. Perfect example. Speaking about a nine to five job. Let me give you my testimony quickly. I was on a job. Didn't like it. Hated it. I thought I was being punished. Because God had me to work with these little kids, these young babies straight out their mother's womb. The youngest you can have in the child care facility is six weeks. I had six weeks to 12 months. I didn't go to the next room. 12 months to 48 months. Then the next group, 48 months to six years old. And before that, I had aftercare students. They needed help with their homework, the older kids. And got me to do that. And it took me out of that to have me go back to these younger kids. And he had me there for 15 years. And I said, God, why do you have me with these kids? He wanted me to impart in these children's lives. Children all around the world. And not just their lives, but their family. All their families. And it took me three years to four years to actually get why I'm there. Because every night I would get so drunk. I hate this job. I hate my life. I'm being punished. They're throwing up all over me. Got to keep changing their diapers. Crying. Some spoiled. Some want to be held. Some won't ever go to sleep. Some I got to check on because they sleep too much. Some heavy is I don't know what. Some want to play a lot. Some got, you know, a lot of things that you need to just really pay attention to. And I was like, Father, I don't like this. Until one day, I realized what I'm doing is not helping. He's not taking me out of this job. I'm going to be here. And while I'm here, I'm going to make the best of it. Let me tell you why I changed my mind. Because I was a lead teacher. And I had three on my side and three on the other. So I actually had five, six teachers under me that I was responsible for. There are six infants and toddlers on each end. And it could be more than that at times. So I'm going to give the highest 18. 18 infants and toddlers. With six people, seven people. And the ratio is at that time three to one, especially the younger. 
the less you have because the more responsibility you have with each child individually. So I start observing how some people pick who they want to care for, who they didn't want to be around. Whatever child seemed more needy, they'd be more disregarded. And one child cried the entire time and the permits in the meeting didn't answer the phone. I need to find out why this child crying. You need to let me know what's going on with your kid. And the parent wasn't even around. And some parents thought that they could just drop them off and just leave them there until they come back. And have you to figure out things because they don't even know. This parent picked up her child finally that was crying all day. And this child was smiling when the parent came. And the parent assumed that child had a great day because they were smiling. I said, no, this child is smiling because it's see your face, a familiar face. Your child cried all day. I tried all, we all t rotated on what to do. And I made up in my mind that day, I'm going to make sure each child under my care going to have the best experience they've ever had because they're not able to talk and tell. So I'm going to be their mouth. I'm going to be their ears. I'm going to be their eyes. I'm about to bless every one of these infants and toddlers with all that I have within me. So I set these teachers down and I realized telling them what they need to do is not going to help because we don't want to be told what to do. Especially if you come in from the outside, many of them been there years and years before you got there, but you have the credentials to be over them. And that I have. And I set them down and let them know the importance of what we do. And I begin to pull a good thing out of each and every one of them teachers. You're good for this. You're good for that. Even the ones who want to come when they want to come to work. I would, I would call things that be not. I love working with you. I love that you come to work. And when you come to work, you got your A game on. You ready. Just calling things that be not. And they feel like, you know, it builds up their confidence. Yeah, you're right. Some of them probably feel like, I don't, I don't be doing what she say, but, you know, I'm going to start doing it because, you know, she's saying something that, you know, I'm not doing. But let me start doing it, though. Let me start coming to work on time. Let me start caring about these children. And one thing I was, I'm really big on is accountability. If you make a mistake, admit to it. Own up to it. Don't try to fault nobody else to talk your way out of it. These are little people. These are lives here. We're going to take it very seriously because these parents, not about what they pay. I don't care if they didn't pay. These still their children. And we are their caretakers. And these parents were paying between, you know, 16 to 21 to 2400 a month. More is double the mortgage for this organization that I was in. And I made sure that each child that, you know, that no one really wanted to be bothered with or had, you know, Things that no one wanted to be bothered with, <laughs> whether they cry too much or the bathroom too much, you know, busy or more active or the ones who like to fight and bite. I would take those. And I had a strategy. Let's not mix up the non-walkers with the ones who do walk because they're going to walk over them and a lot of incidents going to happen. Try to minimize incident reports. And don't ever say that you never saw what happened because you should be watching as a supervisor. Supervision is very important when it comes to children. And I'm beginning to give it my all. And that's what God wanted me to do with these children. 
They're about to close that place down, that facility down, because too many things were happening. That no one was knowing what was going on. A child went missing one time before I even got there. To come alongside with the company. I found out a lot of stories once I got there. Then I started realizing why God blessed me to be there. Because there's nowhere in fiery hell. I don't care if I have a hundred children. Nobody going to leave my sight. And you're going to know to stand where you belong. You're not going to walk off without saying anything. Every child had a great understanding as to who I am and what I'm here to do. And what you're going to listen to and what you're going to follow. We can have fun. We can do all kinds. I will flip, jump, and down, paint this whole room around with you. Laugh and joke. But when I'm serious, you know when I'm serious. Everything starts with eye contact. Everything starts with eye contact. Whenever a child sneak and do something, what do you do? They look to see. Whenever you say anything, if you notice a child, they will look you in the eyes to see if you're serious or not. That's why it's good to do what we say. Don't change our mind. We say no, let leave it no. Because if we change our mind too much, a child is smart enough to know what I can do to get them to change their mind and get my way. You got to teach them that they can't have their way. Hallelujah. Many children cry out for discipline and they begging for attention by acting out. Have over 5,000 hours of Webinars and seminars of experience, blood-borne pathogens, with or without special needs, you know, in a learning, health, and safe environment, all the competency goals. First aid and CPR every six months. And first aid and CPR, it changes every single year, especially the chest compressions. Even with the AED and first aid. Even when it comes to the choking hazards, the formation to have someone to cough up whatever substance is down their throat that's blocking their airway. God bless me to save a child's life who was choking. Because the teacher freaked out, didn't know what to do. We got some children who be nurse, some children who's not nurse. So we have to give a strategy. Okay, let's give every child a color, a different color, and we're going to identify them by that color. Put it on everything their name is labeled on with that color, especially the milk. Because some children have allergies. You don't want to give another child another mother's breast milk. Now you got to go to the emergency room and get tested to make sure there's nothing in that woman's milk. That's a bodily fluid that your child, and you know, just digest it. And got me to be there for 15 years, watching these kids from infants to go all the way to, you know, elementary, some in junior high, some now in high school that I had as an infant. And they will always come back and visit. Look, we got straight A's. And it wasn't even just the children. I was there to help the families. There was a Pakistan family, excuse me, Afghanistan family, who didn't talk. They just wanted to drop their kid off and go. You could tell they didn't want to socialize with Americans. They were just here to receive the benefits and stay in their own domain. And the thing about it is, I noticed they were doing that. 
It was like they put up a shield because they didn't feel, you know, invited. They didn't feel welcomed. So I started having a lot of meetings with these parents, building parent partnerships, letting them know the goals that I have and the goals that I want you to work on at home. But I don't give parents too much to do at home because when you get home, you're getting prepared for the next day. So I'm going to do most of like as much as I can with your child. So when you get home, there's not much to do. And they bring food in, so I try to like feed them when the parent come. Because many of them, be honest, want to just take them and put them right in the bed. Make sure everything fresh, diapers, everything that, you know, everything they need to do. That they, they don't really have to do much when they get home. Nothing worse than having a child than sit in the diaper for hours. You understand? God had me to see so many things. I, the reason why I was there. Some parents just didn't know what to do. And I mean, diaper rashes was so severe that one of them made me cry to go in a, I had to go in a closet and cry. This little girl was screaming so bad. She did not want to be touched. She was just that raw. It was like a whole open wound. Like all this, the first layer, the second layer, third layer of skin just been, you know, scraped off. You didn't even want to touch this child. She was screaming so much. And I walked off and I said, Father, She's a baby. She don't know what's going on here. Spare her. Spare this baby for me. The next diaper change, the teachers was like, what? A miracle. No crying. No rash. No sores. No nothing. And she's actually laughing. Immediately that happened. Immediately. I had children that was being abused. They were coming with casts and bruises. And I would have meetings with their parents. I'm not going to call nobody out. But I will find ways to say. To get it out. Like a child not able to engage much. Because he's always walking around sore. He's falling a lot. At home. Tell me about what's causing him to fall so much. So I can make sure it don't happen here. See, it's not pointing the blame saying that it's because of them. And then one day it came out. That the father was abusing his son because he was abused by his father. And he was abusing his wife. And he would come in my classroom. And try to be very rude. He's one of the men that say women are beneath, you know, the scum of the earth. It's all about men power. Women can't talk, speak, or do nothing. You just have the kid and shut up. Cook my food and wash my clothes and shut up. I don't want to hear nothing from you. You're not worth me even listening to. And he would say things like that in front of his wife. In front of us, she'd be so embarrassed. So one day I said something and he said, shh. And I said, excuse me, can I talk to you for a second? He politely walked out and I politely said, don't you ever talk to me like that again or anybody else. But I'm talking about myself. If you want your child here in my classroom, now I don't want to see your child leave because I love your child. But if you continue this behavior, you will be dismissed as of right now. Do you understand me? I mean, we couldn't take it anymore. Too rude. Slam things down, expect us to go and put them away. 
Don't give you eye contact, cut you off while you're talking to only the women. And his wife walked behind him and was like, thank you so much, Quinesha. And he has never been that way ever since. Never. The Afghanistanian family got me to reach them by asking them to bring some things in from Afghanistan. Teach us some Arabic. They were teaching us Kamsa, Shatta, Shara. We was learning, you know, the language. We had labeled some things in English and in Arabic for them to feel welcomed. And then the wife started realizing, you know, it's not so bad to engage with other people outside of our nationality. But she always was covered up from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. And her husband walked around with sandals and shorts. And yet she got a whole quilt on her body. And I said, you know, I'm glad to have you guys here. She said, I'm going to have a talk with my husband at home. Because I want to have the look as I'm supposed to have being here. I don't want to look, you know, too different to be looking, you know, noticed. <laughs> when I go places, I'm all covered up. And the thing about it is, she broke their law and their land. A woman is not supposed to make a suggestion. If she do, she will be killed. She will be stoned or they would cut and slice the middle of her lips for her to shut up. They would burn out her eyes, put her in a hot sauna. Let her skin just, just burn off and fall. Or they would just shoot her in, the rifle, in her head with a rifle immediately. Execution style. But her husband didn't do that because he was in this country and that's against the law. <laughs> but what he did, thank God for that. He listened to his wife speak and gave a suggestion for the first time because she saw how us women had so many great ideas and see how free we talk here. And she's like, I want to be able to, you know, use my voice. And she did for the first time at home. And she said to her husband, can I take this covering off of my head? Or how about I just take the whole thing off and just keep my hair covered? Can I just wear regular clothes? Can I fit in with society? Make a long story short, she came in the next day. She had on jeans and a shirt and some sandals. And I was like, mm, mm, mm. you are so beautiful. She was so excited to wear some jeans for the first time. To not be covered up that you couldn't even see her hands. And she keeps her hair covered. He was like, you know, I'll let you wear the clothes. You know, keep your hair covered now. Don't go against our, you know, our morals. And I asked, can I, can I see your hair just because you cover it up so much? Can I just see what's underneath there? She said, we got to go in the closet and see. And I show you. I said, mm, mm, mm. You covering up all of that beautiful hair. And everybody's hair is beautiful. There's no such thing as no bad hair or good hair. That makes no darn sense to me. It makes no darn sense to me. And I was amazed how long it was, how full it was. It was like silk. And she wrapped it back up and covered it up. 
That's something she has never done before because she felt welcomed. I had a Vietnamese families, Caribbean families, African families, Russian families, European families all around the world. And I would have each parent come in and tell us about their culture. If they weren't able to come in for work, they would definitely, you understand, send something in. I made sure I stayed on top of my teachers. We're going to do this and we're going to do this thing right. We ain't going to have nobody biting, scratching, hitting. And people would come into class and look and like, it's no way that you got these infants and toddlers so structured like that. I grouped them up to, it's like nine different learning stations and they rotate them and I teach them. You have to teach them. And they love the discipline. It's structured. I timed it. You're going to be in this station until, you know, I ring a bell or whatever I choose to do. And you go to the next learning station. You want to color, but it's, it's not for me to tell a child what they're going to do. The stations are open for whatever they want to go to, but they're not going to be there all day. You have to share. And to make the children feel welcome, I would have them to bring something from home, a show and share day. Bring anything from home, especially those who are not used to child care. Some kids been at home no joy of their lives at the time. And some parents actually feel, you know, not to, you know, I don't want to let my child go here. I don't, I don't want my child at home with me, but I got to work. And so I have to assure these parents, you're going to be fine. There was an NFL player, no name mentioned, and a comedian, no name mentioned, that I care for their children there. And one teacher found out that I preached and they saw me on YouTube. I don't even know how they see it. I don't remember. And that happened to be the football player. And he was in a car accident. And he didn't think he was going to make it. He went from, I think, weighing like 325 to like 150 in like two weeks. They say he was dying, nothing he could do. It was very bad. He was in ICU. His wife was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. The whole football team came. I can tell you the team he played for. I think it's either the Steelers or the Browns. And the whole football team came in and helped his wife out, get, got the kids homework and everything. And I said, can you tell your husband that Quinesha said hello? She said, I sure will. Here he is on this machine that's keeping him alive. And she whispered in his ear, Miss Quinesha said, hello. Next thing you know, within five minutes, they told me. His vital signs picked up. He started gaining consciousness, started having an appetite, the tube they took out of his mouth, all of that in one day. And he gained strength enough to get out that bed. And they was like, we're going to take it easy. Take it easy, sir. No, I got to go see Miss Quinesha. He's seen that video of me preaching. He said, you never know who you meet. The whole time you're my daughter's teacher. I never knew you were a woman like that, of God like that. We go to First Baptist of Glen Arden. You're actually out there doing what Christ's doing. What he did, you're doing that. 
Look how people are responding to that. You're not ashamed. You're not afraid. You're not telling people what they shouldn't, shouldn't do. You're releasing love upon all people who may only want to be around. And I got to come up here to say thank you. I made sure I had to get out that bed. When I heard your name in my ear, I had to get up out that bed and come and see and say personally, thank you for what you do. There was a child who needed to get heart surgery. I had to lift her up. Thank God that she got through that. It was a, it was a, a slow recovery, but she recovered. God placed me there with all these children to lay hands on these children, their families. I ain't got to just sit there and just say, I'm going to lay hands on you. I can lay hands on you without even saying anything. By touching your heart. There was a mother who wasn't, who thought she was barren. and They adopted two Asian girls, her and her husband. Loves his wife. Not one of those men, you can't give me no kid, I'm leaving. No. You, you, my, you know, you know, my world. You're not my everything, but I love you. I'm not going to go anywhere. We're here. We're going to want to adopt until we have our own. Then let's do it. You're going to find out that family happened to be a family member of mine's lawyer and help them get through that process of that forceful conviction and didn't even charge because they knew Miss Quinesha. So many children had burns, had to pray, and the burns go away. So many things. So many things. God bless me to be there. 15 years worth of being there. You tell me how many children you think I encountered. When as they grow up, they get go to a different class. So you go figure how many kids I have encountered there in 15 years. So many children. And I can say something about each and every child individually. And majority of them, I can remember their names. But everyone I cared for under my care, I definitely remember their names. I made portfolios. They Every first thing they did, because they pressed, not able to see everything. They with us more than they are at home. Because they winding down when they get home and go to bed. They with us for eight, nine, ten hours of the day. So sometimes we, we capture their first walking, their first tooth, their first words. And I, I tell the teachers to write these things down, make a book for them, their parents to have. And we did. There was some incidents that took place, and I tell them, be responsible for what happened. Man up to it. You understand? And I thank God for all those years. But all of that to say, once I said to God, why am I here? And I started doing all of that. I became, you know, the teacher of the month for an entire year. <laughs> it was like, okay, Q, we, we got we to share this with other people. I mean, but there's nobody else. And even everybody that was there, the other teachers, like, we voted for you again. No one was hating. No, we voted for you again. Can you come in our class and help us with these preschoolers? Sure. Sure. Because the first competency goal is to maintain a learning health and safety environment. 
for the children. One child had quote unquote eczema or eczema, whatever you call it, so bad her skin would come off. She'd scratch her skin off and make little puddles of skin everywhere she go. And no one really wanted to be around that. I had to find ways to, you know, how I can deal with it. It was like she walk around bleeding. And I told her mother, what, 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 do you, what are you doing? What, what can we do about this? What, what can we do? I, cause just, just like tear my heart up. Well, I mean, what can we do? You know, I prayed, but I was like, you know, what, 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 I mean, what are you doing? It's no way I can even leave my child and somebody care like that. It's no way. Some kids have come and haven't eaten all day. Haven't had a bath. And we don't talk about these things because I teach my teachers. No, we're here to help. Don't say nothing. Just do it. Give them a bath then and shut up. We don't do all that gossiping and talking. Look at this teacher. Look at this parent. Look at this. No, not in this classroom. We're not. And I will always have the music to set the atmosphere. Now, by being so diversatile, so many religions that we couldn't, you know, speak about religion there. So I'll just, you know, within myself, I'll just pray over these kids. I mean, these were kids of congressmen and women work at, you know, the White House. Uh, all oh, doctors, lawyers, countless. And I never forget. Someone had given me job op- you know, opportunities. And God was like, no. I had an invitation to work, you know, in the White House. But she wanted me to be her person who run her errands. I'm not doing that one. Sorry. <laughs> and I let her know it too. We love you because you speak to us. You know, you're not afraid to speak up. No, I'm not. <laughs> I would not run anybody errands. That's not me. I'm not getting nobody coffee. I'm not going to no cleaners to get your clothes. I'm not doing any of that. And she said, I don't blame you because I wouldn't even. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not doing that. There were many people who treat us like we were slaves. Because they thought all they thought about is back in the day how Africans you know, became Americans is, you know, doing the slave trade that we just, they care for their children. Many of them even nursed their children. And they were looking for us to, you know, take care of their kids. Like, this is what you're supposed to do here. Take care. And I had to put some of them in their place. I don't know what plantation you got in your head, but you in this classroom, that must leave or you got to go. No cursing, no disrespect, no yelling. None of that up in here. It's an environment for children, and that's it. When kids act up, do you want to go to Miss Quinici class? No, no, no. I don't want to go. No, no, because they already knew. They're like, what is your secret? Now, I want you to visionize that. This is how God does things. Now, you visionize 18 toddlers. 18 toddlers. Not even two yet. Between 12 months and 23 months. Now you visionize that. 18 in one room. Five in this section. Five in that section. (laughs) Sitting down quietly. Playing, laughing. 
There's no running around, no fighting, no scratching, no tearing things up. It's like a college, but just in Tollerville. And people would come and look in the window like, I can't believe this. These kids like this? These kids like this? <laughs> Who's responsible for this? And I never take the credit alone. I say us, we a team. And that's what, that's what really ranked me up higher. They was like, you don't take credit for nothing. You always put it on everybody because I couldn't do it without them. And when my teachers heard me say things like that, we, we, you know, I would treat them out the things and dinner on me or lunch on me, everybody Chipotle on me or, you know, the cafe style on me or whatever, you know, the Caribbean restaurant on me, you know, you know, who want jerk, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you can stop eating up mine. <laughs> you understand? And some of these kids had to realize these are not my own kids. You know, because some of them I try to get some of my food too, but we can't. It's against, you know, regulation. You can't. You're going to give them what their parents provide for them. But some parents will be like, you know, they you get to know them. They'll be like, you know, go ahead and let them eat what you eat. You know, some of these kids, you know, I do their hair thinking they really my kids. <laughs> you know, got a little white little girl got four ponytails in her hair. <laughs> you know, I was, you know, us black women, we do hair, you know, with the bows and the balls. And so I'm doing that with these little white girls hair. And the parents like, oh, wow, we never seen hair stuff. You know, teach us how to do this hairstyles. I even cornrowed some of them and braided some of them. Even the boys. You know, some boys come in with bushes. Their mother's like, I don't know what to do. It was when I was so mad, it like a torch. I was like, you know what? Let me just do something with this hair. Is that okay? You got, you got to ask first. Oh, sure. You know, braiding their hair and stuff like that. It's like, you know, you really into this. <laughs> but all that to say is that God had me there to help those children. And it taught me a lot, very experienced at that. And once I started submitting to that, then God started pulling me away. I'm going to tell you, sometimes it may not look like it's a promotion. It may look like it's a demotion. But you have to follow after God. Because every time God calls us out of something, it may not always look like it's pleasurable, like it's easy, like, okay, I'm going to elevate you. You know, sometimes it may look like persecution before you receive your elevation. Because let me tell you how I ended off that job. They hired a woman there who couldn't stand my guts. And they was like, she out for you, Kanisha. I don't know why. And the reason why is because she didn't like good stuff. She got put out out of other centers. And they was like, before we fire you. We're going to put, bring you somewhere else. We'll give you one last shot. And they bore her around me. And the thing is, she was over me. And she just didn't take to me. I don't, I don't like this. I like drama. I don't like this lullaby, this Mr. Rogers type of environment. I want drama. I want the teachers to, to talk about each other. I want us to gossip about these families. I want this. I want, she wanted things like that. She wanted to be tore up. And the thing is, it's because she was tore up inside. Anytime somebody get a thrill of drama, a thrill of gossip, a thrill of misery, that is something going on, on the inside that is torn up, that needs to be torn down. And she didn't like it. She didn't like it. Her words were, you know, you know I'm going to be here. I don't want you here. And I'm thinking like, oh God, whole time God promoting me. She made it so hard for me. I'm treating everybody to lunch except for Quenisha. They like, dang, that's messed up. 
I'm like, it's all good. I can buy my own lunch. But, you know, that was rude. Acknowledging everybody but Quenisha. Oh, God. Put up everybody's name on the board and leave mine out. And they like, you the, the first name they should put on there. Don't worry about it, Q. Don't trip. Don't trip. Sometimes I go in the closet and be like, God, 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 God. Just the presence that's on her. That evil presence that every time she come near me, I be like, oh, God. You understand? And God was demoting me. I mean, excuse me, promoting me. While she thought she was demoting me. I had to calmly walk away. And God had it to be that way because if the parents knew, they would have done all they can to keep me there. And I probably would have stayed. Looking at those tears in their eyes. Please, don't go. It was like a Joe. I was like a Joe Clark in that place. And I'm so serious. I have, so, I have over a thousand references, over 2,000 references. 15 years worth of parents every six months, a new set of parents. So every six months and 15 years, that's a lot of parents, a lot of students. And it wasn't just like, a, I didn't consider myself as in a daycare. I didn't consider myself even in childcare. I considered myself in early, you know, early childhood education because I was there not to babysit. I wasn't there just to keep an eye on your child till you get back. No, I'm teaching your kid. I'm helping develop your kid. I'm pinpointing things to you to help me with your kid. And most parents know their kid and they'll be like, yeah, you know, because you know what you're saying, because I know my child. You're not making up things. And some parents didn't like their kid. And I had to point out the things in their kid that's very unique. You know, I could just cry thinking about those kids. Never forget how they look at me when I feed them. And I got so good at it that I would feed like six at one time. You know, I know what each child, you know, smell like, everything. One parent, he couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. I was like, they was like, this stinks in here. I was like, oh, that's such and such. <laughs> the father was like, no. Yeah, it is. No. The heels of the diaper. Yeah, it's such and such. Dang, yo. Now you know that. Because... I observe these kids. I know them. I know their bodies. I know them. One parent tried to lie to me. I'm not nursing my child no more. They, you know, they got their teeth now. Yes, you are. You're still nursing your kid. But I'm not going to call no parent out. That's rude. But I'm like, you know, you're, you are. Because it's a difference when you have that body fluid versus formula. It comes out differently. I did this too long to know what it looks like. So don't lie and say you're not nursing your kid because you don't want to look embarrassed that your child is talking and you're still popping your breast in their mouth. You understand? I had children that was four years old getting breastfed. You know, ch children biting off their mother's breast and they still feed. And I'm like, oh God, come on now. Your child can say milk and you still nursing. Come on now. Come on, come on. I had one parent that was, you know, drunk wine all the time. And, and would nurse her child. And, you know, I can't just say, I can't give you, a, you know, you got to follow, you know, what they're asking. And her child would be, you know, tipsy every day off that breast milk. She'd just be looking dazed, like her head would be just going gnawing off. And I'm like, oh, God. The mother had a whole bottle of wine in her bag and then come back with breast milk. You, oh, you ought to stop. You ought to stop. I thank God that he did stop. And the mother wound up, the other mother wound up admitting that she was still nursing. Oh, yeah, I know you are. 
Because I can see it every time I changed them. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's like, you really know what you're talking about. Of course. Of course I do. There's no way I could be in early childhood education and not be educated. That wouldn't make sense, would it? No way. You know, so I just thank God for all those years, the teachers the, that I work with, the children, the families. If I was to go and see them now, they'd be, oh, that's goodness. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. God said you're going to have a day where I have a reunion with them. Yeah. Every child from 2007, 15 years after that. Oh, excuse me, 2005. My son wasn't born yet. Yeah. So... God pulled me off and had me to have a lot of time to soak in his presence, read, do ministry that I, I was doing, not part time, but after I in between my schedule. Now it's all in my schedule. It's, it is my schedule. And that's how God elevates us when we submit to the jobs that we have. I don't care. You work at Burger King. You flip those burgers the best way. You clean that facility up the best way. You look at those customers and know that they're worth your best. Give them a good attitude. Ring their order up with respect. Give them nice fries. Don't give them no old fries. Don't have food sitting out at night. Don't do it. I went to a subway when I was pregnant with you know, my son. I got food poisoned. Because he didn't change the mayonnaise. It was sitting too long. Because they prepped at night and didn't have it there in the, in the fridge, in the cups. And didn't take the cover off in the morning. Don't do that. That stuff is sitting all night. Even when you go to the 7-Eleven where you see that pizza and the wings and all those little enchiladas and stuff been sitting there rolling around in that heat like that all day. Stop doing that. Stop cheating people doing customer service. Hallelujah. When we submit to the job, we see that we God will bring us to a place to do what we're actually called to do. And that's what we love doing. Some say, I like to paint. Okay, well, I, I'm, it's not going to pay the bills. You're not paying your bills. If that's what you called to do, then do that. And let God lead you to do that. Don't ever think that your gifting is not important. I don't care if you're called to mop the floor. So what? It's important. Everything that we do is important. Even the trash men, that's important. Don't have them bins out there and they got to run and, and try to search just to grab your bins. Trash all over the place. You ain't even covering up right. Because we're not doing it, so we don't care. They wonder why we still on the same job. Even when it comes to people in business, make sure your business is legit. When it comes to customer service, make sure people that work under you, make sure they have good customer service skills. Make sure you pay your people right. Don't pick and choose. Make sure that they listen to you and respect your authority there. Because how are a person going to tell you and you the owner or the business, you know, 
you, the supervisor or manager, how are they going to tell you what they're going to do? If you're not going to come to work and you're going to tell me you're not going to, don't come back. I can replace you because I hired you. I don't want your attitude here. Simple as that. Very firm, very fair, and very fun. And don't get none of them confused. And that's how it should be. That's how things flow in D.C. and in order. And decency at an order that way. Can't be out here talk about people. There was a lady that I seen in my old neighborhood who would have her kids get ready and get dressed at 10 o'clock to go to school. And you know, school already well started two hours before. So what's happening? I had to lift it up in prayer. I can't just be like, you know what? She ought to stop. You see, when she let them stay up all night or she up all night. And they can't get up enough, you know, early enough to get themselves together for school. So some priorities not in order. Let me pray about that. We don't have to go about things about everybody to everybody about people's things. What we see. That's why women compete with women today. If a woman shows that she's not worth being here, She's going to show that she's not worth being here by degrading herself. What do we do? Talk about it? No, we got to lift her up. Lift him up. People out there prostituting. They think that's all it is for them out here. Something about fast money. They stripping. I need fast money. These are sisters in Christ, brothers in Christ. They have great potential, have purpose of being here. Filled. With purpose and just taking a, a way out that's not even a way out. Thinking that that's the fast money, even those who are on the street corners. Because they panicked. I need to get it fast. I don't want us to be hungry. I don't want them to be without. I don't want to be on the streets. I don't want to lose my apartment, my home. I got to get this money fast. Because somewhere down the line, somebody told you you're not smart enough or you can't do what you really want to do. Or people may have you thinking that, you know, you're a sellout because you're going to college from a block that from people who only sell drugs. That is their college. Even when it comes to the marriages, it's not supposed to grow down, supposed to grow up. Never get too comfortable with a, when you lose your self-dignity or self-respect or self-worth or even releasing them their worth. You're worth my best at all times. I would not be sluggish or slacking or lazy or even trifling. If I got to get up three hours before to make sure this house clean, I'm going to do that. No excuse. I don't care what's on my plate. God won't give me anything that's too much for me to bear. Put my hands on too many things that nothing get done. Take care of my responsibilities. And not trying to take care of things outside the home. My home not going right. No, it must flow right at home first. And these are things that wisdom has taught me. That's, that's the beauty of it. Now you're seeing the beauty of my labor. Because I seek the internal things and not the things that will perish first. Now those things are very appealing. And sometimes I even look at myself and look at your, the, the things that people do have. For those who did seek those things first. 
And it's not always everybody's case. Some people just reaping their benefits due to seeking to turn things first. But God was saying to me, you made a wise decision. You chose me in my kingdom. Now everything is being added unto you. Wise decision. Now you know how to have a family. Now you know how to keep your family how it should be kept. Now you know how to put God first. You know how to present yourself, conduct yourself. You know how to be a mother. You know how to be a friend. You know how to be a sister. You know how to submit. Many couples today, they grow up and they grow to the point they get so comfortable that they start slacking in areas they never slacked at first. I'm with you now. We know each other now. So I can do this and do that. It don't even matter no more. But get that inside. You understand? You can use what you used to have the way it was presented at first. No one should feel like they can't express how they feel to their spouse. Because they're afraid that they're going to take it wrong. That's not a best friend. No slacking is no slacking. Love you as Christ loved the church. Meditate on that. What is it like for Christ to love the church that he gave himself for it? So give yourself for your marriage. Give yourself for your family. Give all you got. Your very best. When it comes to your presentation, inside and out. Your home, everything in it. That's your ministry. Give it your best. I know my worth. I know my worth. But the thing is, I thought something that wasn't in another person that wasn't even for me. And when I'm releasing, I'm not getting back in return. So I tried to make that work. I tried. But you can't build what God is tearing down. That's not your foundation. Your foundation over here, not there. Your blessing's going to flow over here, not there. Your family going to come from here, not there. Your ministry is over here, not there. And I pray for anybody who's looking elsewhere for anything other than where they need to look. Some of us look on the outside. You best suit for me, you know? You're suitable for me. You keep yourself up, you're attractive, you got a good head on your shoulder. Men and women do it every day. Let me find who's most suitable for me. All right, I'm going to go with this person. All right, now the devil tumbled to you. Now the devil disguising himself as an angel. Yeah, that's your husband. That's your wife. You didn't even ask God. All we got to do is ask God. Look how long we go along without asking God. Putting ourselves out there. Making a fool of ourselves. And the word is saying make a fool out of you. And go along and along. Put all our faith into something that's not even supposed to have faith in. Because we didn't ask God, is this him? Is this what you want? You know why? Because somehow we became selfish. 
Satan can only do anything that we allow him to do once we take our eyes off God. That's his main focus, to take our eyes off God. To get us to change our mind concerning our eyes off God. To put it on him. And the lies that he has to tell us. Even though I married the wrong man, I thank God that the man wasn't even licensed to do so. But I still had to clear my name out the system. And I also thank God that I didn't even have no pastor or preacher present to even marry us. Because I would not even want that now that I know the truth. I want that for the right man. I want to go before, you know, God in front of a pastor or whoever ordained to marry in front of the right man. And God spared me for that. I don't want to be in front of a pastor and marrying the wrong man. And claiming God's covenant over my life and not even God's covenant. We got to stop doing that, saying what we want, but saying his will be done. If you got your eyes on a man or your eyes on a woman, ask God what do he say about it. Stop thinking that you think you hear from God. Because God going to back up everything. You never had no vision. You never had no dream. That's not even God's vision. So I know those is not God's. That is not God's doing anything. Some of us standing on the line thinking it's going to manifest. You better learn from me because I did that. So you might want to listen to me so you won't do it. And if you're doing it, then stop doing it. Trust me. You know what I know. You wouldn't even got started with it. Who God have for us, it is for us. So why would you want anything that is outside of what and who you are? We're robbing ourselves from his glory in our lives. Holding up our own process by having no progress in that area. If God can tell us anything about anything else, then what do you think he can't tell you about who he has for you? So go back to that place and say, God, what do you say? And I guarantee you, he's going to tell you from there. We got to stop making a fool out of ourselves, thinking people who we are, who they are, and they're not. Messing up friendships, causing division. Causing a big mess. The whole time we're listening to the enemy, thinking we're listening to God. Preaching God under Satan's influence. Come on. Now I had other issues, but it wasn't in that area. I didn't even care. I didn't think I needed a man. I was like, I don't need no it's anything. He gonna need me. If I even get one. And here comes Satan disguising once I took my eyes off of God. But I never knew that Satan could disguise himself as an angel. I never came across that passage. I didn't know he can do that. Now I'm aware. Hallelujah. So if you got your eyes on somebody. Go to God about that. So you can see what he has to say concerning it. Hallelujah.
You don't want, you don't want to keep going further like that. Greater season us than he's in the world.